Can we give the Lord just another hand clap of praise right now in this place? Truly, it is a pleasure and an honor just to be in the house of the Lord and to be able to praise and to worship him. <laughs> and it's an honor to be standing in front of you today to preach God's word. I would just like to say good morning to those who I haven't spoke to. Greetings to you, the members, visitors, and friends of Forest Baptist Church. Uh, whether you're joining us in person or logging in online, uh, we're grateful to have you fellowship with us today. And uh, yeah, God is worthy. God is good and worthy of all our praise. And as we prepare to open up God's word today, the text of scripture that we'll be exploring is coming from Jonah. So we'll be, we'll be uh, finishing out a series that we started back in uh, early 2020. And by God's grace, we'll be uh, finishing out that sermon series on Jonah. And just with that being said, and, and all the things that have transpired since then, uh, let, us, let us go to God in prayer. Dear Master, we just want to say thank you. We thank you for your word, Lord God. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your salvation, Lord God. And I ask right now in this preaching hour, Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, for you are my rock, Lord. You are my redeemer. Allow your words to go forth and fulfill their purpose. And it's in Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. So the scripture today that we'll be exploring is uh, Jonah, the first chapter, the 17th verse. We'll read that last verse in the first chapter, and then we'll go through Jonah's prayer in the second chapter. But I just want to say one thing just before we get started. Like, this world and this life as a Christian throws us some curveballs at times. Living up to God's standard and staying true to his faithfulness and, and just who he is in a world that, that does not respect and is no respecter of God is hard. It's, it's hard to go day by day and, and to see injustice go on, to see abuse go on, to see uh, just turning on your television and seeing all the hurt and the harm that we have in our, in our world go on. And, and there's the hope that we have as Christians that God will someday come and make it right. And what we find ourselves in our scripture today is we see Jonah, uh, a prophet of the Lord. And his main job as a prophet of the Lord is to hear from God and to relay the message. In the first chapter, it says that Jonah received, Jonah, son of Amittai, received the word of the Lord. And after receiving the word of the Lord to go to the Ninevites and, and, and to proclaim to them 
who God is and give them a chance of repentance, it said that Jonah rose up and fled and tried to flee from the presence of God. (laughs) I don't know how many people know, but that is not what you're supposed to do as a prophet of the Lord. You are not supposed to flee from the assignment that God gives you. So he decided to flee in verse 3, and his fleeing was going pretty good at that time. He got on a boat, and he headed in the opposite direction of where God wanted him to go. He planned to, to go to the southern tip of Spain's island for retirement. He said, I'm not doing this anymore. And that lasted, if you look at verse uh, chapter 1, verse 4, it lasted a whole verse that Jonah was fleeing before God pursued Jonah with such ferocity. God's grace pursued Jonah with such ferocity. Is anybody like that in here? That, that, that you, tried to, you tried to go your own way, but God was like, nah, not you. I've been like that my whole life. I see everybody else out there having fun and going their own way and, and, and not even paying attention to God. And as soon as I jump out there and try to do it, God's like, nope, not you. And thank God for that. I don't know where Jonah would be if God didn't pursue him, but it says that God hurled a, a great tempest on the sea that threatened to break apart the ship. And, and Jonah's fast asleep in the, in the boat. God, God does not let you sit in comfort while you're rebelling from him. So God did an amazing thing in chapter 1. He actually gave accurate spiritual discernment to pagan sailors to let them know that the person responsible for this great chaos is sleeping in the boat. So they go and they wake him up and they said, hey, what is wrong with you? Call out to your God. Maybe he'll give us a word and maybe we'll be saved. And even in the face of death, we see Jonah refuses to call out to God. He says nothing in the whole first chapter to God. He is rebelling, and he's sticking with that rebellion. And he's mad at God. He's upset with the word of the Lord. And finally, in order to get the tempest to stop, in order that the boat wouldn't break, in order to save their lives, Jonah came up with an idea that, hey, if you toss me overboard, then, then this will stop. And here in verse 17, we see that the the sailors did just that, and we see the product of that in our lesson today. And I just want to read that that last verse of chapter 1 and the entirety of chapter 2 where God, uh, where Jonah finally speaks to God, where he finally has something to say. And if you would, stand for the reading of God's word out of respect. If you're able, if you can, stand for the reading of God's word. Jonah 1.17. This is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, 
I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and he and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from the sight, from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the Lord, whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. O oh Lord, my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope and steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon dry land. You may be seated. And may the Lord add a blessing to the reading, the hearing, and the doers of his holy word. <laughs> two, two of my greatest joys in this whole world is one, uh, my beautiful wife, being married to my beautiful wife, Vanika. And two, is being able to parent uh, my two handsome sons, Emmanuel and Josiah. And uh, this parenting business is getting, it's getting difficult. It's, it's getting hard. It's, it's getting trying, you know. Uh, when I was young and I didn't know much, you know, with coming up with uh, Emmanuel, I would just whoop all the time. It, it was easy. Are right, you messed up? Are we going to whoop? But God is adding these different, you know, tools to my tool belt. And now we're trying these different things with Josiah. And I don't know if anybody has heard of the terrible twos. <laughs> but my son is three, and he had early onset terrible twos at one. And we're still going through terrible twos at three. So he is growing big and strong, and so is his will. He, I mean... Now he, he's, his vocabulary is growing. He's been able to express his feelings. And he has this thing that he says now when we tell him something that he doesn't want to do. You know, he pokes out his lip and he crosses his little arms and he's like, Daddy, I'm mad at you. I'm mad with you. And <laughs> though, though I hate to hear that, hate, though I hate to see that, uh, sometimes I have to tell him no. Sometimes I have to tell him something that he doesn't want to hear. The Bible says if you're going to be a legitimate son of the, uh, uh, then as a father, you don't withhold the discipline. Anybody, anybody who's a legitimate child of your father has been disciplined. Some of you older folks have been disciplined a lot. It's before we had CPS and, and, and all these different laws. <laughs> But when, when my son gets mad, he doesn't want anything to do with us. He focuses in on what he can't have, and he forgets everything else that he, that he can have. 
And, and one thing that I've noticed is that even the things that he wants in the moment, because he's mad about this one thing, he doesn't want it from me. So if I tell him no, he's going to go to the furthest corner. And even if he's hungry, I'm like, Jojo, you want to come and eat? No, I'm, I'm mad with you. You know, or if he's thirsty, even if it's juice, he's like, no, I don't want it. I'm mad with you. And this is where we find the prophet Jonah. Just like little Jojo, Jonah is mad to his own detriment. Refusing the goodness of God to his own detriment. And just briefly before this passage that we read, we, we see him hearing a word that he doesn't agree with from the Lord, and he decides to go to the furthest corner that he can think of. I'm going to flee from the presence of God. Think about that. God is om omniscient. He's, he's omnipotent. He's everywhere at all times. He is ever-present. So I can just see Jonah... <laughs> with poked out lips and folded arms in this unrighteous indignation, uh, declaring with every step away from Nineveh that I'm mad with you and I don't want anything to do with you. And he holds this disposition firm. He holds it firm. Like, he is in the face of death and he's like, nah, nah, God. Like, all I have to do is cry out to my God. And he will say, he will calm the seas for me. I know because the word of God tells me he will. And he's like, nah. Nah, I'd rather perish than do what you would want me to do in this moment. So we see the prophet Jonah is mad to his own detriment. But God does not give up on him. And I thank God right now that we have a Lord and Savior that once you are his child, that he never gives up on you. He, he would never leave you or forsake you. And one thing that I'm finding out is that his grace, like we think about his grace, amazing grace. That thing is aggressive. <laughs> that thing will hunt you down. It will track you down and it will drag you back sometimes, even when you don't want to. Just like in Philippians, the, the passage that we read Paul declares that he that has begun a good work in you will accomplish it until the day of Jesus Christ. Sometimes to keep that covenant that he made with his people, he's the only one holding up both sides. Matter of fact, every time to keep a covenant of relationship and fellowship with his people, he is holding up both sides of that covenant. And we have all, at some point or another, been in a position where we have taken comfort in something that was not in the will of God. We may have trusted that God will work out salvation one way, and when he worked it out another, it was distraught. Uh, we were distraught about it. It may have been suffering of a loved one, that maybe he would deliver that loved one in one way, but he had other plans. And some of our problems, especially me, it's not the yes or the no or the wait that gets you, but it's the silence. And when he's silent through your situation, that's your struggle. That's when, then, when you want to rebel. That's when you want to change up the plan. Forrest, 
Do we trust God only when he works when and how we want him to? Or do we wait on the Lord? Can we trust him and obey him when we don't get our way? And that is the, that is the true test. And to take, take as a topic today for, uh, for the sermon is that salvation, it belongs to the Lord. Now, Jonah eventually gets to the point where he proclaims with his mouth that salvation belongs to the Lord. And I just want to explore that, how he got there through a, through a couple short points. My first point is that God provides the salvation. He provides the salvation. If you look and turn in our, in our scripture and look at verse 17, it says that God appointed aforetime the means of salvation. He had called a great fish to be when and where Jonah was going to be when he needed to be there the most. God knew the depth of the depravity that Jonah would sink to, so he provided a means of grace that would meet him at the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea. Verse 6 says to bring his life up out of the pit. And I don't know about you, but I know me and Jonah can attest that if Jesus has to reach way down, that he is able and he's willing to pick you up. He will provide a means of grace, and as unlikely as it is, <laughs> a great fish to swallow you. You don't think of that as grace. You think of that more of wrath, but I see the beauty in him knowing exactly where he would need to be and to be there just in the nick of time. So the first thing is that God provides the way and the means of salvation, and he does it before time. And along with salvation, he doesn't just provide the grace that's needed for salvation, but I'm figuring out through the scripture that he provides physical unrest to offer real salvation to his people. God does not offer false peace. He will not offer false peace. He will not make you comfortable in your rebellion. We see this in the text, that it is the Lord who is credited with the physical distress that led to Jonah calling out to the Lord. Jonah rebels in verse 3. God responds in verse 4 with a great tempest on the sea and that threatens to break apart the, sea, uh, the ship. They cast lots. He, he, is, he is not letting them get away with this. He is making him the most uncomfortable that he could be. He, he found no comfort in the moment in the will of God. He found no comfort in the moment in the presence of God. And uh, we see even in chapter 1, verse 13, God prevents salvation through human effort. There's no way out of this. God is providing a physical unrest so great that there's no other way to do it but to turn back to the one who is causing it, and that's God. So we see that God isn't just the provider of grace. But in a lot of times, he is, he's the one who's shaking the ship. 
He's the one who's requiring the salvation. It is from his arms that we both receive chastisement and comfort. Amen. And, and the last thing that I noticed in this text about uh, God providing the salvation is salvation isn't just something that we receive because he provided it. But salvation in this instance comes in concert with your prayer to God. We see in our text that that Jonah cries out to God. God positions the great fish to be there. God positions the physical unrest that Jonah would be there where the grace is. But according to the text, it's not until Jonah cried out to the Lord that he answered his cry. God doesn't save people that don't need to be saved. God will not do it. God will not jump into your situation if you don't need his help. I, I recall in John 9 where he's talking to a bunch of Pharisees and he's saying that uh, he, he came to heal the blind. And, he, and the Pharisees got offended. They were like, hold on, hold on. Are you calling us blind? He said, well, if you were blind, then you would be saved. There would be salvation. But because you see... Because you don't need a great physician to heal you of your blindness, then you stand guilty, and you stand in the, in the path of wrath, the wrath of God. Grace, we have to remember that grace is unmerited. Those who deserve grace never need it. And those who need grace never deserve it. And I'm, I'm here to let you know that not only Jonah need, needed grace in this moment, but I needed grace in a moment in my life where I thought I knew better than God. I need, and every, every last one of us who call ourselves Christians have that moment where we, where we have needed the grace of God. And if we're honest with ourselves, sin has us in such a way sometimes that we need grace every minute of every hour of every day. And he is there to provide it when we call out. I'm, I'm learning that we have to open up our mouths. And we have to ask God for the salvation that we need. And like a good father who hears the cry of their child, they, he will answer and he will do it. Sometimes we start to think <laughs> that although we're drowning badly, that somehow we can put enough effort to get out of that drowning situation. And, and maybe not, you know, we still got that picture of Jonah at the bottom of the sea. He needed Jesus. He needed God. He needed that great fish or whatever was appointed. But do we feel that way in those relationships that we're in? Do we feel that way with, the, with those situations with our children? Do we feel that way with those impossible situations with our marriage? God is waiting and to, for us to call out to him for his grace. He, he's waiting to call out for his mercy. And he's able. 
He already knows what you're going through even before you ask it. Even before you ask it, he's able. I don't know how Jonah cried out under the sea, but he did and God heard him. I don't know if it was a thought or if it was a groan or is it, what it was, but if God can hear Jonah at the bottom of the sea, don't you think he can hear you in your hopeless situations today? Don't you think he can hear you about your marriage? He's there. He knows what's going on. Don't you think he knows what you're going on in those abusive situations to get you out of? So God, so God provides his salvation. And that, pro, that proclamation that God, salvation belongs to the Lord, it requires not only God's provision, but it also provide, it, it requires a grateful and a thankful heart. When we don't get our way, <laughs> in situations where we do not get our way, oftentimes the first thing to go is our thankfulness. We are so focused on what we don't have that we forget all the things that God has done and is steadily doing in our lives today. The first thing that we do is we get this tunnel vision that causes us to forget all the benefits of our God. And we see that his salvation <laughs> that comes with grace, that comes with physical unrest, and comes with calling out to the Lord, it creates this thankful heart. In Psalms 103.2, it reminds us to bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. And it, and, it's, and it tells us in verse 7 of our text today that this is exactly what Jonah does. While he's at the bottom of the, the sea, fighting for air, seaweed around his head, hopeless in all that he's done, his, his life was fainting out of his body. And he, he gets this thought, I have a God who is able to save, who is able and win, willing. Verse 7 says that he remembers his God. And he says that his prayers came into his holy temple. Now you see the irony in that? Jonah is fleeing from the presence of God. But now his very hope is that his prayers will reach the place where God dwells. The holy temple is the place where God had set up to commune with man. And Jonah, being a prophet, had access to that place. And that was the very place that he was trying to flee from because it brought him no comfort. But in his pit moment, it was the only place that he could find any real comfort and find any real hope. And that's the same in our situation today. We might not like his statutes at times. And we may be trying to get away from that. He, he requires too much holiness. He just don't understand. This is 2021. We do things this way. He knows. And just because his statutes don't bring you comfort then, it doesn't mean that it won't in your time of need. I've been in time of need before. That's one thing I know well. Has anybody ever been under the hand of the wrath of God? It pursues you something awful. The, the very moment, I was just like Jonah, the very moment that I decided to do my own thing, I got tired of being Pastor McGee's son. Pastor, 
I got tired of having this expectation of holiness everywhere I went. So I joined the army. I go all the way out to Colorado. And for some reason, God's favor is still on me out there. And they still expect the same things of me. So I stopped, I stopped going to church. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this anymore. And I promise you, you'll be surprised how quickly God touched every part of my life to fall apart. I'm talking about my car, had problems, brand new car, got problems, which touched my finances, which touched my job, which touched my relationships. And, and next thing you know, I feel like Jonah at the bottom of the sea, looking up, I'm alone and barely holding on to the, the, the things that I was fighting for. Somebody knows what I'm talking about today. But God, I, I was... I had all these people pitying me. They were like, oh, man, this dude got some bad luck. <laughs> all the while, I'm like Jonah when they cast in lots. I know exactly why this is happening. I know exactly why my life is falling apart. And I was pretending like I didn't know what to do. But then his word speaks. His word speaks. And, and when you are down and you're out and you're alone and those relationships has failed, and your job has failed, and that education that we're relying on for salvation has failed, guess what I took comfort in? That was the Word of God. This was the only place that I could commune with him was the Word of God, and it told me in Chronicles 7 and 14, it said, okay, if you want to fix this, it says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, Turn from their wicked ways and seek my face. And I'm telling you, he healed the land. He didn't, he didn't do it overnight, but you know what? Just to hear from him after that, I was grateful. Just to see his life, he, he put a heart of thankfulness in there. I didn't, have, I didn't have the 2011 Impala that I had, but you know what? I was thankful for that little hoopty that he gave me. <laughs> I was so, I was thankful. I didn't have the job that was paying me 5000 a month, but you know what? I was thankful for that $8 an hour because he did more with the $8 an hour than I did with the 5000 And it was just amazing to see. It's amazing what God's salvation will do. His salvation is always enough, and it's always there to meet you in your time of need. Don't we serve an amazing God? Don't we serve an awesome God? Part of that thing that, <laughs> that shows us that a thankful heart is, is required is if you look at this prayer, as I was studying this prayer, I had a hard time figuring out what was Jonah's word and what was the word of God. So when he started praying, you could, you could tell the thankfulness. In verse 1, it said, Jonah prayed to the Lord and his God, uh, Lord his God from the belly of the fish. And everything that he started to say was a psalm. It, it, was, it, it was written in the psalms. Have you ever had a, a situation where the word of God becomes so true that it tells your personal testimony? For Jonah, this was the case. He began to pray scriptures like Psalms 121, which says, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. 
He started praying scriptures like Psalms 118 and 5 that says, Out of my distress I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. I don't know if he's praying Psalms 118 or he's telling about this situation that he just had. He's starting to pray scriptures like Psalms 88 and 7 that says, Your wrath lies heavy upon me and overwhelms me with all your waves. Salah. It's amazing when the scriptures start touching your life. Like my, like my friend, Sister Child would say, it, it, it's one thing to believe, but it's another thing to know. And after the situation that God provided for Jonah, Jonah no longer just believed, but he knew. He knew his God to be a savior. He knew his God to be a savior from the pit that would claim his life. He knew his God to be an answerer of prayers in your time of need. And I know that today. My last point is that the, to make the proclamation that salvation belongs to the Lord, it requires a deep trust in Christ. Christ being God's salvation. He didn't have Jesus in his day, but to wait and to trust in however God is going to move in this situation. And in order to do that, there's three things that you must do to, to be able to proclaim that salvation belongs to the Lord. It says that you must reject your idols. And you must accept Christ. I'm sorry, two things. Reject idols and accept Christ. Jonah says in verse 9, in verse 8, I'm sorry, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope in steadfast love. <laughs> I don't know what your idol is today, but an idol is anything that takes the place of the comfort, the real and true comfort of God and the salvation that he provides. I don't know if it's your, your education I don't know if it's your big bank account or, <laughs> in Jonah's case, it was his moral superiority. I'm just morally superior to everybody, and that makes me better than everybody, and I can sleep at night because of that. This caused a big problem. Because of that moral superiority, God wasn't able to move through Jonah like he was able to. See, because if God, if Yahweh, the God of Israel, the one, the one who caters to Israel would hear the pagan cries of Nineveh and answer their repentant hearts. That would mean that Israel ain't nothing special about it as a nation. Jonah had this nationalistic feeling in his heart that Israel was somehow morally superior to the other nations around them. And I know we don't have to draw too many conclusions to see that going on today in our society. That because I believe one way or I vote one way or, or I'm, I'm this status in, in America, that I'm morally superior. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their, their hope and steadfast love. He had taken so much comfort in being better than the Ninevites. So much comfort in that I serve a just God who punishes wickedness. 
and he, that's how he slept at night for all the great evil that Nineveh was causing on the world. Are you going to be okay when God doesn't move like you want him to? When God decides to save the very ones who you hate. Save the very ones who have done you dirty. God's word here not only exposes an idol, but it, it exposes this murderous heart that Jonah had. And if we're honest with ourselves, there are some people out there that we will have a hard time forgiving. I don't know what your idol is today, but if we don't, if we don't deal with our idols, if we don't turn them over, if we don't allow God to totally disqualify them, at, at the bottom of the sea, the sea didn't care if no, uh, Jonah was Israelite. He was still going to smash him to pieces. The sea didn't care if he was Ninevite or uh, Israelite. He didn't care if he was Mediterranean or, or Spanish. It didn't matter. Nothing, none of that could save him in that moment. None but God. And we have to cling to Christ. We have to reject those idols that we have in our heart. We have to identify them and reject them. And we have to accept Christ. Look at what God was able to do with Jonah. As disobedient as Jonah was, he had just cried out in verse 2. And we'll see later on that he pretty much takes it all back. He has a grudging, begrudging heart to do anything for Christ after his proclamation that he will do what he vowed. If Jonah is able to accomplish thousands upon thousands to be saved in Nineveh, how much more is Christ able to save today? We have to hold on to the, to the salvation that God provides through Christ. And I'm, I'm letting you know that, that Jonah was able to do some great things. But our Jesus was obedient to the point of death. And like Jonah, he spent three days in a tomb of death, but he rose with all power on heaven and earth in his hands, and he did it out of love for us. He suffered what he suffered out of love for you. He rose like he did out of love. He sits on the right hand of the Father out of love for you, and the things that he's able to accomplish when you just put your trust in him, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough today to handle your problems, to deal with your heart idols, <laughs> and to save your enemies. And we see once we trust Christ, we're able, we're able to proclaim that the salvation belongs to God. Thank you. Would you bow with me? Dear Gracious and Heavenly Father, we come right now, Lord God, thanking you for your salvation, Lord God. I thank you right now, Lord God, that your grace pursues your children, Lord God. I thank you right now for your steadfast love that pursues us, Jesus. Thank you for your mercy, Father. Thank you for your grace. And it's in Jesus' name I do pray. Amen.